0: All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Prep for Impact, a Green Beret Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Matt Parrish, retired Green Beret, and today we got another phenomenal episode for you. This is episode five, and we've got a great one. It's Pat Bacon, a combat ranger regiment guy who ultimately transitioned out and uh, became a D.C. Metro cop. Uh, Found his passion there, but ultimately ended up in the scuffle for his life and ended up actually getting shot on the job uh, as a cop up in D.C. Uh, And now he's transitioned out. and He's doing great things in the business world and uh, finding the laughs along the way. You're going to really enjoy this episode. Pat's a great guy to talk, to talk to. He's a great guy to hear stories from. He's a lot of fun, but he also talks about finding his way through life's transitions, and I think it's really impactful, and I think you all are going to really enjoy this episode of Prep for Impact, a Green Beret Foundation podcast. Oh, sh- boys, look alive. We're coming in hot. All stations, all stations. Prep for Impact. All right, hey everyone, welcome back to Prep for Impact. Uh, As you heard in the intro, we got a badass guest for you. Uh, Episode five, Pat Bacon, Ranger, law enforcement officer, all around badass Pat. Good to see you, buddy. Man, I'll tell you, badass is uh,
1: maybe not the, the moniker I'd use, but it's hey. a pleasure to be
0: here. This is awesome. Hey, it's my show. I get to call <laughs> you. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to step on you. No, it's all good, man. Uh, you know, hey, as we start, you know, I always like to find out, like, why people, you know, we come from so many different backgrounds across the, across the country, across the world. What makes you, as a young dude, say, I want to join, but especially, I want to go be a ranger? Yeah.
1: No, it's a great question. So I... uh when I was a a freshman in high school. Yeah. Uh, Towers fell on 9-11. Obviously a very powerful thing across the board, but you know, as a freshman in high school, there's only so much you can do. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And uh, you know, I don't want to say that that was necessarily the the genesis for it, but it certainly was a a, a contributing factor because as as time went on, um, never really great a student. Yeah. I went to college. You know, I like playing sports, you know, I like getting out there and, uh, enjoying the college scene, but not necessarily doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it just kind of came to a head. And at some point I was, I really just found it like uh, almost a necessity to, 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 to enlist. And this is back in, uh, 2008. Yeah. So it was definitely a tumultuous time during the war was not aware of you know what the surge was or you know (laughs) what how it was necessarily ramping up i just knew i wanted to to be in the military and i knew i knew getting into the special operations community regardless of where my military career went it would be a good springboard into you know you know the the civilian world and some degree would certainly carry weight so that was that was really why i wanted to go into the, the ranger community specifically actually Funny enough, I did go to, the, when I went to the recruiter, yeah. it was like, it was the option, uh, option 40 contract, the 18 yeah. x-ray contract. And they go, uh, you know, the x-ray programs, I think minimum five years. I was like, no, <laughs> that was the number one rule. All of my mentors, they told me, they said, listen, the army's always going to be there. Sign up for the minimum that you yeah. can get to, to, you know, get exactly what it is that you want. And, uh, and you can always reenlist. All right, I'll do that. So
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I, I, uh, you know, I've said it often on the old show, and I think I've already said it a couple times on this show. Like, if there was any other path that I would have liked to go on, and if I wouldn't have gone as an eighteen X-ray, it would have been option forty. I mean, the the amount of guys from Ranger Regiment that uh, I just tried to follow and emulate through the Q course as a young eighteen X-ray, like anybody who had a scroll, yeah. it's like, all right, I'm doing what that <laughs> dude's doing. Like he he knows what he's doing and basically I, I don't think i ever met a uh, a guy who had a scroll when i was going through your q course that was pointing me in the wrong direction like it uh it was super formative for me and then when i went to ranger school after i got long tab when i first got to group i went to ranger school and i was lucky enough to have two ranger regiment dudes they were both e3s and we were all kind of the same age and we got together in benning and stayed together all the way through right and uh you know we just basically had this hey use enlisted runs this squad kind of thing and we'd all pick each other as team leaders you know when we were uh you know in leadership positions and it was phenomenal man those guys uh you know uh it was just funny to be able to kind of have that same uh mindset and you know we went there's like all these iobc cats all over the places like all these damn lieutenants and it was like all right if the three of us can just like pull this thing together yeah uh so You know, one of the things Ranger Regiment's known for, besides being the preeminent Raid Force and being a bunch of, again, badasses, is uh, coming into the Ranger Regiment is a uh, pretty arduous onboarding as a new dude, right? So as you come in, Pat Bacon, the call to join this Warrior Brotherhood, you get your Option 40 contract, you show up to Ranger Regiment.
1: Well i should preface this by saying that yeah.
0: i thought i was going to be going to ranger school that's how yeah. little i knew yeah, yeah, you yeah. know in
1: yep. this information age now yeah. i'm talking to guys that know more about the regiment than i do and they've never yeah. been in the army
0: i have the same thing with greenberg dudes are pulling I, they're like yeah. hey what about in this phase of the q course i'm like bro dude i have no idea you, you got a long way to go like i was <laughs> like you could you could pre- study for the asvab i'm like i
1: had no idea that that was a thing so I'm same, dude. <laughs> uh yeah no um it was funny I got in. I was one of the last R.I.P. classes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Before RASP. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, R.I.P. back then, you know, the mantra was essentially just survive it and your team leader will teach you everything. Yeah. And, you know, I think it just got to a point where, you know, things were so fragmented fragmented uh, yeah. across the board, you know, from all three of the rifle battalions and, yeah. um, you know, right at the flagpole, it, it just... It, it seemed more sensible to standardize everything and it went in a yeah. great direction, you know? So now it's, instead of just, uh, you know, the four weeks of, you know, survive, it's, yeah. it's you know, you get through that, that kind of initial phase or phase one of Rasp and then phase two is, you know, standardized uh, blocks of marksmanship, uh, breaching, yeah. mobility. Let's get everybody on the same sheet of music so you're going into, uh, you know, your, your, your line unit's a little bit more refined.
0: Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm proud to partner with the Green Beret Foundation for Prep for Impact because I've seen firsthand the work they do with Green Berets, their families, caregivers, and survivors. Across all of their pillars of support, they support Green Berets across casualty assistance, health and wellness, gold star and surviving family members, and Next Ridgeline transition support. I encourage you to visit greenberetfoundation.org for more information. SpecOps Tools is a different breed of tool brand. They produce premium, innovative hand tools by leveraging the dynamic strengths of their veteran team and leadership. In addition to staffing vets, SpecOps gives a part of every sale back to extremely worthy veteran service organizations. Producing elite tools is their business, and supporting American service members is their passion. Go check out SpecOps Tools today. There's a huge um, pivot in the Ranger Regiment as a whole from like pre-GWAT, super, like, spit, starch, obviously still super disciplined, badass uh, regiment. Um, There was this evolution that I saw over the course of my career working with uh, guys from Ranger Regiment, whether it was in schools or actually in task force, of, you know, getting to the point where you guys were standardized and you were, like, turning into... a really high level special operations force and not just the like small unit tactics, whatever, but like preeminent raid force, right. For, for the GWAT. Um, You know, as you saw, as you got in and started working through those things, how did you see, you went to second, right? Third. Oh, third. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking 275. So you go to 375. How did you feel like as you worked up towards, uh, you know, get out of, you get out of rip your, on your team now in your platoon how did you feel uh preparation wise uh before kind of being able to go yeah so
1: i think from a, a preparedness standpoint you know it was you know it was it was seamless everything went off without a hitch yeah the redundancy of the and you know everything just kind of fell in place and being a private in the yeah, Ranger yeah, yeah. Regiment is the easiest, hardest job on the planet. <laughs> you just have to follow three rules, and everything else is done for you. You know, you just gotta you gotta endure it. But those fundamentals really do carry over and are the the solid building blocks. And you don't see it then; you just see pain. But yeah. but what they're conditioning you for is leadership and assuming leadership roles uh, throughout the the remainder of your regimental career. So I think from what I saw was going from. You know, being just really thrust into the chaos mm-hmm. of you know, hey, I, I was, I would, I just graduated RIP, and three weeks later, I'm in Kandahar. Yeah. no training cycle, nothing. It's it's just it needed people. So it's yeah. it's it was it was a it was a cool concept to really see all of that stuff and just kind of hey, sink or swim, and um and you know they there I it was a uh, Sergeant Major Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, was the RSM when I went through RIP, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he gave a really profound statement during our graduation at the end where he kind of had us all huddle up and was like, look, like this, this many of you guys, you know, uh, you know, congratulations, you made it this many of you guys aren't going to be here next month. These many of you guys aren't going to be here in six months. And there's, you know, 2% of you will be here after five years. I mean, and it, it held true again, don't hold me on the the, sure. the actual numbers, but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what they were, it really, the, the, the rate of, uh, you know, retention there, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough life to, mm-hmm. to endure that. And the people that do
0: it really do carry the regiment in a, in a fantastic direction. So, yeah, a hundred percent there's a, uh, you know, we're lucky on the green beret side. We've got a, a, a strong brotherhood as well. Uh, but man, regiment has got a, uh, has got a phenomenal brotherhood aspect throughout the ages, right? Ranger rendezvous, all these different things like, um, you know, I was only aware of it from having so many friends who were previous regiment dudes that then became Green Berets. Uh, but, you know, talk to me about even now, how how important is that? How do you feel is like, you know, I saw you guys talking to the RSM the other day. It was like cool to hear as a, you know, as an outsider. Uh, it's cool to hear that, man. Uh, like, talk to me about the Ranger Brotherhood. How, yeah. What it means to you.
1: Absolutely. It's something that, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it really does never die. It's... Yeah. Um, I, I, interestingly enough, have a, a little cousin who's now a squad leader in three, seven, five, and awesome. going through that entire process, it was cool to see him go through it because at that level, now all of my former peers yeah. are all <laughs> the senior NCOs that Hell are on yeah. the show. So it was cool to be able to have, you know, the ability to, to really just kind of maintain SA on him, see, you know, how he's doing. And it was, it, it's just, I think having my finger on the pulse of what's going on in regiment from you know a modern perspective compared to even when yeah. i was in it just seems like the 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 differences are astronomical yeah um the guys are getting you know outrageous training they're great the you know fantastic yep. training courses they're going out they're doing uh they're doing all this cool stuff i mean dude we just went out and you know, you yeah. you hope you had you know range or uh, ammo for the month yeah. uh, going out to the range because it was just it, the, the times were very structured. It was you knew what your training cycle was. There wasn't a whole lot of time to go out and just, you know, hit a flat range, you know, squad mm-hmm. live fire, platoon live fire, TFT. And next thing you know, you're you're on rotation. Yeah. And that was the ebb and flow. I mean, for my entire time in regiment, m- what I knew was the entire battalion, excuse me, the entire, not the entire battalion forward. But, you know, elements of STB and other folks mm-hmm. kind of out yeah. there. So it, it was so wild to see this this kind of transition now. We all knew it was coming, but yeah. seeing company minus elements, you know, the battalion staying you know, in it's, the rear, it's just that wasn't what it was like back yeah. then. So um, I would say that's kind of the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around was really see how things changed. And I think all for the better. It just, uh, you know, they're a much more capable fighting force now, uh, as opposed to back then we're very raw, uh,
0: yeah, I (laughs) talked to, I talked to Brad Thomas about it a little bit when I had him on SoftCast. like, that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier. And I don't think I really said it well, but like, it was interesting to me to see like Ranger in Oh five versus Ranger in like 2019 or whatever. I was like, Holy shit. Like many, many many guys. Yeah. Yeah, It it is crazy. So
1: they, I they looked apart. I mean, it's funny I was just uh I was just at a, a uh, shooting competition last week and we were yeah. uh, we were sponsoring and um 75th sends cents a team up every year.
0: I saw them celebrating on the uh yeah pretty good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah and it was cool to see them to see them win it and uh and really getting a chance you just kind of talk about the holistic uh, right. full circle approach to regiment and how it never goes away it's i can find something to relate to these guys that i've never served a day with in regiment yeah uh and it's and it's all there conversation's easy there's always carryover from my time frame whether it's leadership or policies sure. yeah. and you just kind of shoot the shit and you know the tie that binds is suffering and pain so i think that's something we're all pretty well versed absolutely
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the you know talking about kind of uh, juxtaposition uh, Ranger Regiment versus- I know, I love to say it, I'm so- Say it uh, again. Oh, juxtaposition. Uh, You know, one of the things that Ranger Regiment does very well that gets right, that uh, we wish we had on uh, the SF side, is sending everyone through an assessment and selection, no matter whether they are a cook or alpha right rifleman. you know, it's something that Green Berets have, like, bemoaned for years and years because uh, we have some incredibly good su- uh, support cats and enablers who come in. But we also have those that, like, don't meet or don't uh, don't give it everything they have. And it almost feels like, as an E7, you're, like, trying to get an E3 to do you a favor to do their job. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was always struck with at any time I worked with uh, Rangers was the that cook who went through RASP dude's a ranger right like he's he's like he is hard nosed, like tan beret uh and and i'm like man Mm -hmm. i wish we had that uh you know kind of unifying message on our side we have we have some great ones i'm not you know again don't throw eggs at me enablers but uh you know how did you look at that like is it from the outside it seems like man you know obviously there's there's always going to be a divide between the guy who's out there getting lead slung at him versus uh you know somebody else in the regiment but from the outside it seemed like rasp and everybody going through it created a better product for all you guys as the dudes in the in the you know in the cough
1: yeah and that's a great point going back to i think my time frame it's still very tribal all the way down to the sure. team level yeah. i mean you go company to company squad to squad team to team they're going to yeah. do things a little differently and everyone's got their own little kind of flavor to it sure. but now it's not a, it's not a detriment to sop it's not something that is you know everybody has the same foundation everyone knows yeah. um you know the basics and i think you know at this point back then it was hey look you, you anybody going outside the wire if you were on the assault force and you were going out that night i mean like to your point cooks i mean we had them coming yep. out with us riggers guys going out and just yep. i mean it was Everyone was up to speed on, you know, what they needed to do. And even if it was just chilling on a BP, like, they all they, – they knew their responsibilities. And, you know, everyone in, uh, in the organization, uh, you know, really did embody, you know, that consummate professionalism that I think uh, you kind of see devoid in maybe some of the, the traditional or, or, or conventional units is yeah. um, w- we are – we have – I think our best asset is, is the private core, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone – for the most part, grows up in regiment. They know the policies, they understand how it goes. It's also a detriment to us in, in, in its own way where you can almost, and I'm guilty of as anybody, is being kind of a protective of the yeah, you know, f- folks yeah. that come from, as we call them imports, yep, you know, yep. and they come from other <laughs> units, and it's like, eh, you weren't here. Yeah. And I mean, those dudes are you know, just as, if not more squared away than you are, and, and the other guys, it's just, you know they, what really comes down to it is that everybody wants to be there. You know, yeah. I think what maybe people don't realize about the regiment is that it is a total all-volunteer force yeah. um, at multiple levels. So we have uh, the, the, the RFS standard in place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're if you're not meeting the standard, you know, they'll, they'll give you the boot. And it, yeah. it really is, you know, the, the standard is the standard, there's no deviation, uh, and it does carry over. I think it, it does lend uh, to a better product uh, yeah. at the end of the day, um, again, plenty of people that fall through the cracks, you know, everyone's still yeah. victim
0: to kind of humanity. You and I have both worked all the way up with the, the absolute most special. And they got, they got their guys too. That's right? it. That's and, it. That's just the way it goes. Like that's it. At every level of every task force. There's a, guy, there's a couple it, of guys that you're like, what? like you really? what? what? Okay. How's, how's that guy? But that's Hey, fine. it just is what it is, yep. man. This is yep. the, uh, the, I would say, I always tell people like the percentage of, goobers goes down as you uh but but there's always a couple right it is Uh, It is what it is
1: it is and you just you you kind of hold on to what you got you can never replicate that that first enlistment you know really is something that's special yeah um you know and and the, the tie that binds i think one of the one of the harder things to endure is that kind of mass exodus after you know that first four five six years and all your buddies leave and it's you know if you're on the fence about staying around yeah um you know part of that excitement w- was the guys you came in with your brothers are they're all trying to carry on yeah. with their own lives moving on into the civilian world I did it um, or SFAS. that too yeah. anyway that's it yeah. yes good greener pastures <laughs> um, but you see that I mean guys are it's as I mentioned earlier it's just a tough place to yeah. stick around in because yeah. of the intensity it's nonstop
0: well and there's also there's less billets as well like you know anytime as you go up the pyramid like there's less ability to be there anyway and and uh you know the old the old saying of you know best place in the army to grow up maybe not the best place to live as a as an adult uh you know guys want to go do something else that's pretty natural we have it happen as well uh you know depending on sometimes i think there's more of a chance in our side to to take a different job for two or three years and then come back on a team like Ranger Regiment, it's very hard to do that unless you're doing charter time and then you're coming back in. It just, uh, you know, it's a smaller unit. Um, You know, as you were, as you look back at uh, some of those guys, you know, I like to ask when I got to, you know, an SF dude or whatever, like who's the best Green Beret you ever worked with? You know, for you, when you look back, like who's the best Ranger you ever worked with? And when you think of that guy, what makes you say that he was the best? Like what can we emulate from that dude to make us better? <clears throat> um,
1: I'm just going to go off the cuff here. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you right away, Mike Connors. Okay. Uh, Mike and I, we we came in together, and we uh, he went to DECO, so I didn't really get a chance to see him that often until we went to Ranger school, and that was yeah. where we kind of rekindled everything. And uh, it, was, it was cool because he truly embodied everything that it meant to be a Ranger. He took it full force. The guy was just – I mean – you couldn't catch him out of regulations. The guy's just an yeah. f- absolute physical specimen. Knowledge knew everything, um, you know. And where he is now, you know, is still in the organization, continuing mm-hmm. to live the Ranger standard at such a high level. And seeing what he's doing, he will truly influence the way that the regiment, you know, goes, you know, for the next ten to fifteen years, if not beyond, because he yeah. has that much. He he cares. I think that's something that stands out ab- amongst you know those that really do try to kind of stick it out so to speak is that you know he is a believer in in the organization and yeah. you know his efforts will affect change
0: for the better no it's phenomenal it's uh i was talking to i think it was my boss now in the civilian world but i was just talking about like the difference in just giving a shit yeah. like yeah. <laughs> like it's palpable like if you just like if you're bought in and you just give a shit like it changes so many different things there's so many little micro decisions that if you give a shit you lean in and like do the right thing or you you're at least trying to do the right thing. Like you might do the wrong thing on, on accident. And it, you know, it seems like, you know, if you're from the outside and you're not a ranger, you're not an SF dude, you're not whatever you would think like, well, obviously all those dudes give a shit. And it's like, there's a spectrum of how many, you know, depending on where a guy is in his career and what's happened and whatever else. And it's, uh, it's amazing when you get with dudes that have that hit factor that give a shit who like, um, it makes everything uh, it's smoother, but also it's like more fun. You yeah, know what I mean? Like if, if we're both bought in and we're both getting after it and I know that you're going to do everything you can and you know, I'm going to do everything I can. It just makes the days like so much more fun to train because that, that stuff sucks. Right. Absolutely. Like, you no, know, <laughs> you know, again, if you're looking from the outside, you're like, Oh yeah. Shooting and jumping and all this stuff. It sucks. It's like, yeah, sometimes when you do it all the time, like it can become monotonous and it's hot as, you know, blazes outside. And you're like, but you know, if we all give a shit, and we're yeah. all after it. It's a, uh, it's a great life. As you, uh, you know, as you start, uh, you know, you get to that point, right? And you decide to make the jump. Yep. Right. Uh, what was your thought process there? Um, what made you want to jump out as opposed to, again, as opposed to coming and being a very good Green Beret that you would have so been? But anyway, missed out. Yeah. Anyway,
1: I. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm originally from the Washington D.C. area, mm-hmm. and to me the path least resistance was going back home. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I didn't, I think part of the whole, uh, you know, the pitfall of getting out without a plan mm. is that, you know, it's easy to say, I'm going to school. I'm going to go contract. I'm going to go do this. I'm going sure. to do that. But, but what is your real plan? Because after, after, you know, the, everything dries up and you, and you're not in regiment anymore. And that terminal leave ends and Tell you, man. You get in the real world. Nobody gives a shit that you were a ranger. Nobody cares yeah. that you were in the military. You know, your your qualifications on paper get you the same opportunity as that of anybody else that holds any other position or MOS in the military. And I think that was one of the hard things for me to do is you can't you can't wear your your achievements on your sleeve anymore. Yeah. And it was get it was a, it was a humbling experience getting back and and really struggling um, with alcohol. Yeah. Uh. You know. Just kind of floundering and, and I, I enrolled in at university of Maryland, but it was, I didn't, I mean, I joined the military cause I hated school. Right. I was just, I I would think, <laughs> I was just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. I was, I was like, what am I doing here? And, um, I, I just kind of naturally looked at law enforcement as something that, all right, well, you know, I don't have this kind of altruistic perspective on it, but it kind of seemed like it fit the bill. Cause I was looking for something to fill the void. Right. Um, I knew it was the right time to get out of regiment and I, I certainly didn't regret it, but I was having difficulty figuring out what it is that I wanted to do. So, um, just sent out a bunch of applications to all of the the local mm-hmm. agencies within DC and, uh, DC metropolitan police picked me up, uh, first. So yeah. I just went with the first one that got me and, uh, yeah, went through the Academy and was on the streets in
0: 2013. How, how was the Academy like, you know, from the outside thinking about dude who goes through ranger regiment guy like obviously like you said there it is sort of adjacent like some of the things that we were doing in afghanistan were very law enforcement like you know obviously the the rules of engagement slightly different for a lot of those things but you know how did it feel to go from like you know hey i was just in afghanistan running around with a bunch of other dudes and now i'm going through this law enforcement uh, you know, basic training, the the academy. How
1: yeah, and I came, I came in really still in regimental shape, right? And uh, and that included, you know, the the alcohol with it. So it was kind of showing up to PT every day. Uh, maybe you're hungover, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was the performance was never an issue. That was bred in you. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if you couldn't probably you couldn't burn yeah. it down until three and yeah. then go go on a death run yeah. at at six in the morning, you know that you fell out of the standard. So. Right. Um, you know, it was certainly nothing that I wasn't used to, but, uh, it was a stark realization that I certainly, as far as the, the quality of folks, you know, at a, at a whole that I was surrounded by, you know, it's just, it's not even comparable. Um, and and it's not to say that, you know, what those guys do and, and, uh, you know, the people that I worked with at MPD weren't certainly, uh, you know, some of the greatest that I did work Mm -hmm. with, uh, in that, in that capacity. Um, you know, from a, uh, from, from a, a training and physical standpoint, it's just not even in the same, it's not the same game. Right. And, uh, that was, that was, a that was a stark realization for me because it, it did come to a head quickly that, you know, I, I wasn't something that I put out there. Hey, I'm a ranger. I did yeah, this. Yeah. It was just, I was in the army yeah. and getting it, getting in front of that, it was, the word kind of spread even without me talking about it and it was it was kind of crazy to have uh, have to kind of guide folks um, that yeah it it wouldn't be the senior officers that were there you know once I made it out to the district but um, but I wanted to approach it from a totally different standpoint like I was I was absolutely willing to learn what it took to be a cop I had no interest in like SWAT or ERT. I, yeah. you know, it, it was kind of a been there, done that scenario yeah. for me. And for, I, I really was interested in, you know, Hey, like, you know, using kind of what's between yeah. the ears and, and, uh, and getting out there. And it, I had an absolute blast doing it. I really did. It was, uh, it was a, an awe inspiring experience getting out there and and really seeing the soft underbelly of society and how folks just kind of exist. Yeah. and have no idea what's around the corner, or
0: what's potentially... Yeah, three blocks over, yeah, or one block yeah. over. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's wild. Most tool companies try to be everything to everyone, but the result is just okay. That is why Spec Ops Tools focuses on two main goals, designing and building the best hand tools available, and supporting veterans in every capacity they can. You can have the most elite hand tools while doing good for veterans nationwide, with SpecOps Tools. Check them out today at specopstools.com. So, unfortunately, within the Special Forces community, suicide has become an epidemic. And suicide prevention is something that we all want to take part in. And it's not just clicking through some slides uh, on a suicide prevention brief. The Greenberry Foundation stood up Andy's Fund directly to try to address some of the underlying concerns like chronic pain, TBI, PTSD that previously weren't supported in suicide prevention programs. To learn more, please visit greenburyfoundationorg slash Andy's Fund. Yeah, was there ever, did you ever come up against concern from others that you were going to be like the the watt Ranger Raider? <clears throat> uh, and like, did you ever get any impression that people were like concerned about, okay, this dude is... Gonna be super militant he's going to be over the top he's gonna be you know wood shampoo and everybody <laughs>
1: so i i had uh I, I think i was a little bit more vocal in the academy and i, I had a harder time you know coming from a leadership role and sure, it was, yeah. you know like i felt like hey you know these these class leaders are you know yeah. who are actual officers and they're yeah. the academy cadre you know i if i have a problem with somebody i can tell them but it, it just you got to play the game to get a go- to to go uh, sure. get along, and yeah. um, it was it was probably more difficult in the academy, and then I just kind of started realizing how things go, um, and, and I don't think it was really ever a problem. Um, it actually worked to my benefit a few times. You know, there, uh, there was a um, you know to carry and, and uh, patrol rifle. At least back when I was in at at MPD, uh, you had to go to a patrol rifle operator course. Yeah, there you go. Which is just three days of disassembling a weapon, learning the parts of it and shooting a qualification course. And it was, I felt like there was, that was one thing, right? That was the first thing I really encountered where.
0: Like I know know how to do this.
1: (laughs) There should be some sort of correspondence course where (laughs) if you can provide, uh, you know, documentation of proficiency that you should just be able to go out, shoot the qual and then move forward because that was a, waste of three i mean i would say you get to shoot for three days but you know uh (laughs) that was kind of one of the inefficiencies that you kind of see in those organizations but it's also because they can't rapidly adjust they have unions to abide by there's there's all uh, all sorts of bureaucracy in play that there's no way to to kind of shape around it but again i mean you work with what you got yeah Uh, and i think when people ask uh, uh what did you find to be more difficult you know professionally you know existing in the ranger regiment or the police department i said i mean honestly it was absolutely the police department because mm. i mean you're lucky if you have a partner to show up that day you wow. know it's yeah. it's not you're always you're you're playing zone coverage uh you know man down for the entire game and you know mm. you really don't have the upper hand until you go to some sort of specialized unit which I um, was fortunate to be able to to go to fairly quickly in my career and spent the majority of my time uh, on the crime suppression team in, in the 5th District. So that was something that kind of I, I was able to really switch the, flip the script and and really get after it. You know, it wasn't chasing the radio, it was proactively, you know, building cases against uh, mm. you know, bad dudes. and. And going after violent people, um, which is really the only thing I wanted to do, was yeah. chase guns, getting car chase, you know, all the fun stuff that you see. You know, responding yeah. to domestics and traffic accidents is not really that glorious. So, um, but it's it's necessary. It's yeah, a, it's 100%. a necessary aspect of the job, and it helps you become a better communicator. It helps you, you know, it, you know, really yeah. engage more with the the populace and the community. Um, and uh, and then yeah, it was off to the races from there.
0: Yeah, I uh, I grew up. My mom was a cop for my entire childhood she ended up becoming a district attorney investigator for like child crimes and all these crazy things but you know as a kid she would be out like you know doing night shift as a detective or whatever and uh you know it was just it was always very formative to me like I I I I point to that as as one of the reasons I ended up joining, like my dad had done some time in the air force, but it was before I was born, but like her service and like hearing some of those things and talking to her partners and whatever else it was like, there is a kinship there uh, of like, you know, service between military firefighters, police officers, all that stuff. Uh, And, you know, there is, there's something about doing good for others and doing good for the community in an official capacity outside of just like nonprofit that is, there's a lot of, um, the, there's a lot of fulfillment back to that when you can see, like when you put a bad dude in jail and you're like, man, I made a difference. You know, like now whether he stays there or whatever else, that's a whole different ballgame. Just like as we all saw in GWAT yeah. where, you know, by the second or third trip, everybody on my armband had an orange jumpsuit in the picture. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, uh, can we just hold on to some of these dudes? And then- uh, It's wild, isn't it? But, you know, those, those problems are, are everywhere. As you moved up into that crime suppression unit, talk to me about like that, how did that- um what were your challenges in that? Like, it sounds like it was much more um, fulfilling than necessarily running around, you know, playing zone coverage. What did you find as you started doing that? And then ultimately you run into a situation that's uh, pretty harrowing. (laughs) Uh, Talk me through how did we get there?
1: Yeah, so um, I, when I was on, when I was on patrol, um, I had figured out that, crimes fresh back then it was street crimes and vice yeah, yeah, um then it was those names were too scary so they got consolidated into <laughs> okay crimes press and team. Yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> but the uh i found out that they used a different channel uh to talk on and communicate with just to kind of it made it easier uh mm-hmm. to to kind of coordinate you know a, a multi-pronged uh kind of operation sure for whoever they were going to take down or, or pursue so I would switch over to that, and I I didn't know anybody over there, but I uh, I had actually caught the eyes of um, w- who who ended up recruiting me and the mm. guy that was uh, an integral part in bringing me on the team's name is Alex Spradling. Mm. Uh, Alex uh, and uh, he he has a larger than life persona who truly is a cops cop and absolutely loved working with him. But he had uh, a very cool uh, demeanor about him. And he was able to really kind of liaise, uh, in a, in a, in a positive way, all of his, uh, kind of wants and needs to, to leadership within the unit. Now I wasn't there yet, but I had also figured out what this channel was. So <laughs> I was, uh, you know, on, on one night, I just kind of heard that they were going after somebody and I was like, oh, Man, I'm right over here. Let me just go ahead and see if <laughs> Let me and just I can slide by. <laughs> I, I see the dude Matt's in the description. Chased him down, had him in cuffs. Nice. At, right when the crime suppression sergeant came up, and then Alex just made the case for me right there. And uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm on crime suppression, and it was off to the races. So it was that was really where I felt um, that unit allowed me to to really go full court press, and. Um, You know, making the what you would kind of deem to be the effective arrests, the the getting the getting the stuff off the street. Now, yeah, it's a grind because you're seeing those guys get out a day, two days later, getting out a day or two days later and committing everything from, you know, armed robbery to murder. Yeah. And it's just it's like the more you fight the system, the more you fight what the big judicial system is. It burns you out quicker sure the gray yeah, hairs yeah. just multiply and yeah. and you got to realize that it is just a job as much as it does become part of you um, I was letting it overtake me sure yeah and I was getting to a point where I was allowing myself to get jaded because of that it just yeah. seemed it was like you'd you know you patch up one leak and ten more spring every single day so I would get to the point where I would just dread coming into work because it was yeah. it's like what are we doing here? You know, as it just something had to give. And then something did give. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, I had uh it was Yeah, tell me the story. I'm I'm curious. I've read, you know, some of the accounts, uh you know, yeah, news stories and stuff like that. But you end up taking a bullet back in the States as a cop after multiple tours as a ranger. Go figure. Tell me the
1: story. So it was uh February 17th, 2017. Sorry, February 22nd, 2017. And uh, this was just after the inauguration of, of President Trump. Yeah. So already kind of a, a, a tumultuous time. But, you know, you don't really see that in the neighborhoods. So it wasn't sure. something that really, like, I think what the media portrays is uh, really out there and uh, and folks that, you know, have this misconception of what's going on in the communities go it's like these people you know they don't want crime in it as much as anybody else does sure. <laughs> so <clears throat> i remember that day just being hot it was february in dc and it's usually 35 degrees outside mm. and it was just an uncharacteristically hot day and it was one of those times where every now and again you know we'd be in unmarked cars some unmarked some marked sometimes we would allow in in plain clothes and tack vests sometimes you know if we had too much attention it would just be all right you're back to uniform so it was one of those weird times where i was driving a marked car but i was wearing a uniform mm-hmm. and uh we my 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 normal partner alex he he actually wasn't there um i should also preface this by saying alex was an og 101st like he was he was in the, he was in the army like i all credit to him man back yeah. going back in back when it was hard i i mean i just have all the the admiration for guys like that because it was uh, those 12 13 14 month deployments and then getting stop lost it's 100%. like 100 i don't I, I don't know how you do it
0: but um i remember being in, in iraq on one of my trips oh. and talking to a cat in the chow hall and he was on like month 17 and i had been like just re- oh just complaining and we were on like month four yeah four or something this is terrible. and he was what like yeah i'm on month 17. we were supposed to go back in 10 10 months and i was like mm. okay i'll shut up uh, yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah i have no conception yeah, of what that's I'm like so sorry <laughs> I, like, I could i could i buy you something yeah, i don't know do I you feel want? terrible so yeah. a roll a dip or something
1: um, yeah, that was, <laughs> it's just wild to hear that stuff. Yeah. But you know, Alex, um, he was actually at that point. He was going yeah. through. He was the first time we'd been separated in probably a year and a half. Hmm. He was down in Nashville Metro applying to their agency, um, just kind of looking at other options. And um, I was, I was out there with someone who wasn't my normal partner, but I mean, we we all work as a unit together. I just, sure. just don't normally drive with him. Um, you know, and to kind of preserve the integrity of, you know, the yeah. situation, sure. the 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 kind of macro perspective of what ended up happening was we we saw a guy, you know, giving the and displaying the characteristics of an arm gunman. Just looking at him, like okay, like I think he's giving it to us. We have the probable cause. Let's go make a stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it just devolved into a, a brief foot or car chase into a foot pursuit. And this guy um, turns out, you know, I hadn't recognized him. I was pretty familiar with most of the, the players in, in that area, um, mm-hmm. which was Trinidad and DC. And I hadn't seen him before. Uh, come to find out, this guy had just, you know, paroled out from PG County after doing 15 years for aggravated armed robbery and, you mm-hmm. know, assaulting a police officer, all that stuff. So um, that, would, that was, you know, the reason why. And, and uh he just didn't want to go back and it was a literal fight for my life uh, you know mm. just just visceral it was it was kind of it was wild because you think you have all of these conceptions of what combat really is yeah and then you're just you're in it you know grappling with uh, with a guy who's like you make one wrong miscalculation that's a bullet in your head so absolutely um yeah it was uh, 17 shots point blank, you know, just dancing around my head. I'll tell you, training saves your life. <laughs> if yeah. you guys don't roll or you're not doing some sort of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or whatever, if you're in law enforcement, that, that ground foundation, I wouldn't be here without it, honestly. Yeah. So it was uh, everything that kept me in the game, and uh, we uh, were able to neutralize a suspect. He's mm-hmm. deceased, and at this point, I realize uh, I'm shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought i just had the wind knocked out of me. Um, but, you know, I was kind of standing there like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I'm rolling for a minute. I know yeah. it's exhausting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of stand up yeah. and my, uh, my finger just kind of slipped into my stomach. And I was like, that's not, mm. that's not a good shot. Ch- that's not a good place to get shot. That's <laughs> not supposed to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> and man, I'll tell you, it's all the best of the department. Um, mm. there's, there's a the, the video that ended up going viral was a, a local um, uh, who lived in the community who was recording the, the tail end of the scene. But it shows, you know, everybody from MPD running towards the gunshots. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody was coming to it. There was no fear. There was no hesitation. Guys running up, not knowing, you know, we just killed a bad guy. They just hear it. I mean, they're coming from east, north, west, south, Mm -hmm. everywhere that you can kind of come from. They're hopping fences, trying to get there. And that was, from that point, I saw the best of MPD. It was awesome. It was, uh, you know, kind of made a judgment call right there. I'm not waiting for the ambulance. (laughs) Jumped in the back of a car. I had a I had a, a glorious driver from the first district who was there. Are borders so our neighbor yeah. uh, uh, to the uh, to the southwest, but they were Florida Avenue was a dividing line, mm-hmm. and uh, they were right over there doing some. And they were with some of the folks that kind of drove up and, yeah, drove me the drove me the to MedStar. And uh, I think one of the coolest things I remember was every single intersection. This is ten thirty at night. Yeah, every single intersection had. A police barricade just just and i mean we were there that drives normally 10 minutes in traffic i mean i was there in 60 seconds these guys were flying getting me over there and um yeah the rest is history you know i ended up i was in the hospital had surgery everything was fine no lasting issues uh and and that was that was kind of the profound nudge i needed to really get my life in the direction that i wanted to to go yeah um i had a fantastic um uh, psychologist, our our union pays for one. So when you go through a, a critical incident and right, a go yeah. But they, there's a few ones that you have to talk to, and the one that our union paid for, uh, Bev Anderson. Uh, what a life changer she was. She she truly challenged me to get out of my my comfort zone, and mm-hmm. you know, really convinced me to stop lying to myself uh, and and start, you know start saying yes, start getting out there, putting yourself mm-hmm. out there and really kind of seeing what yeah. it is that you're working want. through your stuff. Yeah, It, w- it was profound. Uh, and, and because of her, I mean, that is kind of the ripple effect of it was I can't speak highly enough of therapy for anybody because I don't care who you are. Yeah. It, anybody could benefit from it. Just getting stuff off your chest,
0: 100%. uh,
1: you know, it makes everything in life easier. Just having a, a guide to do it. And I, I mean, to this day, I'm still every week, yeah. got my, got my Wednesday lunch, you know, yeah. and that's, that's, I how love it, it
0: man. That's one of the things like you and I both try to, uh, influence on social yeah. media, right? Cause I've, I've gone to therapy. I, uh, I did, uh, uh quite a few sessions <laughs> when I was the first sergeant at SOCOM and was working through some of my stuff after coming off of a team, uh, you know, for a long time. And uh, and then when I got the chance to do the prep program in VA and I was inpatient for a while and working through some of that stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, I think anybody can benefit from it uh, just to have somebody to talk to and, and bounce things off of. But especially if you've been through some of these stressful situations and you, we all adapt coping mechanisms. Some of them are substances, some of them are, uh, you know, avoidance all these different things and having somebody to talk to you and uh you know somebody that that you trust that challenges you is yeah. huge man it's and it huge. is
1: it's like any relationship you don't necessarily have to go with the first one you see yeah. it just happened to work out with Bev and and yeah I mean the other the other the other one I was seeing from you know the agency I, I wasn't a fan of it was very right. dry Bev was you know humanity personified in therapy it was That's crazy awesome. it was yeah. it was really cool. Um, and she was absolutely the reason that I was able to really get my act together and figure mm-hmm. out, you know what? I'm done. Um, I, for me, this is, you know, how many, what other, what else do I have? Where else do I have to go? You know, mm-hmm. for me, it was, uh, I was already kind of one foot in one foot out. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was chasing the, the, the adrenaline horse and it was fun while it lasted and mm-hmm. I'll never, che- uh, I'll never trade that, you know, I wouldn't for anything. Sure. Um, it was a fantastic opportunity but, you know, when one chapter closes, the next opens. And that was it was just time. And that was really what I wanted to do after uh, after everything had happened was I didn't know what I wanted to do for work, but I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to move to Florida. I'd always yeah. wanted to move to Florida. It was saw a place that just was near and dear to my heart, vacation there my whole life, a yeah. ton of family down there. Not to mention the reason I came back to the to the area was because my family was you know, from the D.C. metro area. Yeah. Well, my sister went to the University of Tampa, nice. and yeah. she just never came back. Yeah. And then my parents—they <laughs> get a summer or a winter house down there. It's like it was all just kind of—I yeah. was following the path, and yeah. uh, and I came down, and um, I actually started work. My uh, I had an opportunity uh, here, not far from here. Actually, it's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. The uh, kind of a uh, corporate leadership. The event yeah. uh, planner called the IQPC, or mm-hmm. uh, IQPC Exchange, excuse me. And I started with them uh, January of 2018. Yeah. So part of the reason that I started working with them uh, was because they had a, a kind of a, they wanted to cultivate government work sure. in that yeah. space, um, kind of connecting buyers and sellers in that world. And I said, well, hey, I mean, this is January, right around the corner, we got this thing called Sofic Yeah. And I mean, it is the premier, this is it. If we want to get in the space, this is the, this is how we need to emulate it. These are the people that yeah. we need to network with. So I made a case to go out there. Um, at the time, slight segue, I was also working and still do work with the Three Rangers Foundation. Yeah. Um, out of assisting with the golf uh, tournament mm. they put on. And that Monday, I won't forget it. So... It was a monday night we ended up you know wrapping up the event uh and stayed out you know helping out trying to clean everything up and i didn't get back to bed probably until one o'clock in the morning and you know i got a 6 a.m flight and i'm going straight to soffic so i took monday off from work like that my job down here so i could go back to maryland do this then i fly back back down and this is Tuesday morning at Suffolk, which is kickoff day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get there, I am dead, dude. And I could have <laughs> absolutely, I could have absolutely just passed out, stayed in bed. Yeah. No one would have questioned it. It's just, you know what? Just let's go. Let's let's, let's see. What, let's see what happens. Yeah. And I get out there, I walk the floor. Um, and I had, I'd been wearing two hats that day. I was I was looking for leads with uh, IQPC, but I was also looking with uh, the intent to kind of support the Three Range Foundation to see if we couldn't find any potential sponsors for down the road. And I happened to stumble across a particular manufacturer Mm -hmm. uh, that just by the chance of me coming out here and uh, and just walking through the open door, Mm -hmm. that uh, I got a chance to now, uh, five years later, still working with them. And just you never know how how life is really going to kind of throw you a ball like that. And it was, it was really, I really attest to, you know, that, that whole experience that comes down to just kind of, that was the Ranger fundamentals. It was, Mm -hmm. if you couldn't, if you can't, you know, you got to stay up with the boys, you know, you got to get up and go to work with the men. And it was, it was that, that that kind of mantra was uh, carried me through it and still does to this day. I mean, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not burning it down every night, but, you know, it's like you still got to get up early, got to shift yeah. routines, you got to, you know, get your workouts in and do whatever. But all that stuff, it all comes back. It all, you know, yeah. sustains you throughout your professional career.
0: Prep for Impact is proudly brought to you by the Green Beret Foundation. The Green Beret Foundation offers emergency, immediate, and ongoing support to all generations of U.S. Army Special Forces soldiers, their families, caregivers, and survivors. The Foundation provides direct support and advocacy to over 3,000 families each year. The Green Beret Foundation is here to assist you whenever you need them. Learn more at greenberetfoundation.org. Hey, everyone. Life is full of transitions, and one of the toughest transitions for our Special Forces soldiers and their families is the transition from active duty to civilian life. The Green Beret Foundation's Next Ridgeline transition support exists to help Green Berets and their families navigate the VA disability claims process and more. For more information, visit greenberetfoundation.org slash transition support. It's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, being of some, some background, uh, military service, something of that line, like the foundation that that gives you for later on where... You know we all have to make those decisions all the time It's like do I do I get up do I go to the gym do I do whatever and it's like just having that foundation to know like I know what the right answer is yep. I gotta go do it and I you I know, don't want to I don't want to at all I don't want to uh, I was actually gonna. I was having a conversation with uh, a couple of people that work for me now in my in my business job and I was like here's the biggest misconception it's like you you look at seals and green berets and rangers and all this stuff and you think that we want to do everything 100% of the time <laughs> like you couldn't be further from the truth like uh courage and fear are the same emotion the difference is action yes like y- the same thing with motivation and discipline like it's the same thing it's just what action happens like sometimes i'm not motivated at all but i have the discipline to know that i have to do at least this minimum level to be somewhat successful right and so uh people everybody wants motivation nobody wants discipline everybody wants courage nobody realizes that it's fear and just making yourself do it uh you know i will move around your transition a little bit but you work with one of the coolest companies in the space right it's one of the most innovative companies it's one of the ones that across special operations people want to use those products Right, you've been there for a long time. Talk to me about that sort of circuitous route that you end up in this transition spot where now it seems like you you really enjoy what you're doing now. How do you feel as far as your last five years being connected to the community, being in one of the manufacturing spaces that people like? I'm not. i not saying you're not. Uh, people
1: will read between the lines. They'll know. You what don't have is, to. I, it's I, not yeah, that I we don't
0: it. sell it, uh, but like you know that company. Everybody wants to do business with. Everybody wants to wear that company.
1: I, you know, I it's it's a blessing. Uh, it really it it's something that came into my life out of out of left field, and I still to this day am you know I'm waiting for someone to to just wake me up from the dream. Because <laughs> Pull you off the I, target. <laughs> I don't feel qualified to to, be able to have a position at the company, but but it, I mean honestly, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the hardest thing was going from you know having ten bosses and eight layers of scrutiny to get anything done to now it's like, Hey man, go out and do whatever you think works best. Nice. And it's, it's, it's almost, that was almost an impediment for me because I was like, wait, you don't need, you're not going to give me left, right limits. Tell me what's It's like, nah, just figure it out. Yeah. Really? Okay. Nice. So the autonomy, um, you know, the, the ability to really engage, um, you know, with my customers and yeah. creative ways and, yeah, and getting yeah. out there thats awesome uh, and just supporting, you know, that, that the government base and getting mm-hmm. guys just, it's, it is cool to kind of come back, leave the field of play and kind of come back. Is that almost like, like the coaching yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of big picture thing. It's, it's affecting change at a, a bigger level. And I really, I truly love what I do. It yeah. is awesome. It is, it is awesome. The people I meet, I don't I didn't have to learn a new language. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's cool to just, just well, go there's around.
0: Some, there's some, uh, you know, Again, just like when you put a bad guy away or whatever, like there's a lot of benefit. You feel a lot of um, you feel a lot of goodness in still making an impact in the community, right? It's from a different level. It's not as a team leader now, but you're still able to help. Uh, you know your old unit and a lot of other units uh, be able to innovate and do things that they need to do, right? Um, all right, so I got to ask the question: At some point in there, you decide, hey, I'm a pretty funny dude. I Man. never said that. <laughs> no, we just start by saying, I never thought that I what was makes funny. You, what makes you make a meme page as a fellow mill memer and one of the funniest dudes in Instagram? Uh, your shit is hilarious, dude. Thank what you. makes you, what makes you start that? I
1: honestly, I did this. This was Memorial Day weekend <laughs> three years ago, yeah. two, two years ago, excuse me. So I'm sitting there. Uh. And I'm just looking at some of the memes that are out there. And and you know how it goes. I mean, guys, I didn't have Instagram at the time. I didn't yeah. have social media at the time. I had people that sent me yeah. memes via text. Like, you know, yeah. they would just screenshot it, cut yeah, it, yeah, and yeah. send it to me. And I was like, I didn't I didn't think that it wasn't funny. I just thought I could do better. Yeah, yeah, You know, it was just yeah. like, ah, oh, let me... They were
0: probably mine. It's okay. No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could have been. I don't know. Yeah. But it was... Uh, it Like, the whole space was foreign to me. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea what I was doing, and it was just uh, that time. It just—there it, was still—there weren't as many yeah. uh, meme pages, but it was still a kind of a, a budding yeah. thing, you know, a cool yeah. they, you know, this it, phenomenon. You know, it's just everybody coming up, and, uh, and it was— you know, you just kind of cut your teeth in that yeah. world and send yeah. stuff out hope people like it. I think back then I definitely cared way more about the metrics and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I hope I get likes. It's just yeah, yeah, a flop. Yeah. This is that. <laughs> now I just post. I walk away. Yeah, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the best part of it. Victory drive-by. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Victory drive-by. I it follow is, victory drive-by. Very
0: funny. Uh, I, which tournament was it that you won that I was running? Uh, it was the, uh, was it Halloween? It was Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, I said, like one of the posts or something, I was like, I think this dude's going to win it. And you were fairly new at the time. Like it wasn't, you, you'd been around a little while, but you didn't have the follower account you have now. And you were just like, it was like so hilarious. It was like laughing my (laughs) ass off. And I'm like, dude, this guy's going to win it. And I think it was like in the round of like 32 or 16 or something. And then you end up winning it. And I'm like, man, I told you guys, and you sent me a message like, you never said I was going to win it. Like who said I was going to win? Nobody knew I was going to win. I was like, dude, I'm just telling you, I thought you were going to win it because you were hilarious at the time. I, you know, I I talked about it a little bit on the first episode of this because now I'm kind of saying who I am. And uh, I just thought it was a fun community, man. I, I didn't think I'd have one longer than like two days. Like honestly, I think I started on Friday and I thought I would delete it by the time I went to work on Monday. Yeah. And I was just like started throwing things out there. It's just fun. Like it keeps you, you yeah. know, it, it's like, Fun going back and forth with people. And it's, uh, you know, to me, it's kind of like skits or like any of that stuff. And like that stuff is some of the most fun parts of my, like when I think back in my career, like (laughs) busting balls to different people or at the end of a school or end of a training rotation, it's like, all right, who's got a skit? You know, and it's like somebody just gets up there and crushes like leadership or something else. And it just like, there's there's two main things that bring you together, uh, especially in the military community. Shared hardship, like shared suck, and humor, and usually together. If you know, we've all had those opportunities where like something sucks, and somebody just makes that one like crack that just, just the one just cracks the ice, and everybody Everyone's loses dying. it, and suddenly your motivation is like tenfold. You know, you feel so much better, even though it's raining and you haven't eaten in three days <laughs> and whatever else. It just makes it better. And like, uh, you know, for me, when I started mine, it was like during COVID. And it would like felt like the same thing. Like everybody was just like, "This sucks," whatever. And it was like this one little spark of like something funny. And there's been a lot of good that's come from it. But uh, you know, I just want to say, follow it. Victory drive by, hilarious. <laughs>
1: and add another SF meme page. Now you don't have to follow that. Come one. on,
0: uh, this is a coming out party. Yeah. <laughs> <of course. laughs> sure enough, uh, but no, man, I appreciate it. Uh, we've become uh, you know friends over oh, yeah. even anonymously, not knowing uh, who each other were. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been, it's interesting to know more. Like what I like about podcasts is you can hear from the person, like their perspective, how they were actually thinking about going through some of those things. Right. Because if you look at the highlights, it's like, okay, Ranger regiment, dude goes in his cop, gets shot now works for this awesome company, whatever else. But there's so much intricacy of that, like yeah. the impact of going and, and getting some therapy and being able to like get on the path you wanted to be on, man. That's, uh, it's awesome to hear. Yeah.
1: yeah. If I, yeah. And now if I could impart any uh, final words of wisdom to folks, yeah. absolutely feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy. Uh, I know I don't get to all my DMS, but I try to sort through them. And if yeah. people are going through it, if I can help them out, guide them in the right direction, it's honestly, that's, I was, I could lose victory drive by tomorrow and I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no tie to it. And yeah. frankly, I, I, I almost feel like I, sub subconsciously push the envelope to do so so maybe instagram does it for me but um i've almost deleted mine so many (laughs) times
0: and i told this to the uh to i can't remember if it was an episode one or if i was doing an interview or whatever and i was like dude almost every time where i was like i'm gonna delete this dumb thing like somebody would send me a dm yep and it would be like bro you get to help somebody out or like as a as a believer in christ like somebody would write me and be like yo man like i was never I, I had a really bad experience with religion when i was a kid and i was completely shut off to it but like our conversations made me at least like be open to it or i found some you know mental health resources like all right. I guess I'm not going to delete the thing, but, uh, you know, it's a cool opportunity. And again, dude, uh, it, thanks for coming on, man. It's been cool to hear your story. Thanks
1: for having me. This was literally my first podcast. Hell so yes. I've never done one. Cherries popped. Hell yes. And I, uh, I got I couldn't have done it on
0: a better one. First podcast. <laughs> well, Hey, I appreciate it and appreciate all you guys out there listening to prep for impact. I appreciate you being on the ground floor of this thing. This is episode five. It's in the first group of releases. Uh, and we've got more coming every two weeks. You can find the show on YouTube. Like, subscribe, hit the little bell, whatever. Like subscribe. All that stuff. We need that so other people can find it. Instagram, follow Victory Drive-By, follow another SF meme page, follow the Green Beret Foundation. You can follow this podcast, and you can also check out Spec Ops Tools, who's helping us put this thing on. They're uh, they're sponsoring us so that we can bring this to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Subscribe send it out to somebody. And again, if you have a, if you have an idea for somebody you want to hear from, you want to be a guest, or you want me to interview somebody, uh, hit me up prep for impact, uh, pod at gmail.com. And so on behalf of all of us, uh, here and with the Green Beret Foundation, thanks for listening to another episode of prep for impact. Thanks for listening to another episode of prep for impact. Just as a reminder, everything you heard on this episode and every episode of Prep for Impact are just the opinions of the speakers, whether that's the host or the guest, and they're not the official position of either the Green Beret Foundation, their employers, the Department of Defense, or anyone else. And with that disclaimer in mind, I want to take a quick second to give you my opinion on the best way to prep for impact. Across my life, whether it's as a Green Beret or personally, I found no more secret weapon than to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, my Savior, and to walk his path rather than mine. And so if you're curious about that or if you ever want to talk, my DMs are always open. Thanks for listening to Prep for Impact.